everyone. We're back. We're back. In our own backyard. We're gonna make the most of every day. We've got plans. They may be avant-garde, but you know we're gonna do them anyway. It feels so good to be where we belong. I guess that's the main bullet point of this little song. We're tuned up and right on track. Baby, we're back. Baby, we're back. Good evening, lads and lasses, and welcome to episode 20 of the STL Podcast. It's been a while, so we've got a lot of soccer news to catch up on. We'll focus on the goings-on in the Premier League, the upcoming MLS playoffs, and the exciting young roster USMNT will take to two friendlies in Europe next week. It's a lot to get through, so let's kick off. And we're back, just like that. Like, time didn't even pass. We're here once again. <laughs> it's been, I don't know, four or five weeks. It's been a while since it's we been recorded a, a, a Soccer Talk Lads podcast. But we're here. Uh, I went to Florida for three weeks. It was uh, Floridian, you know. Uh, <laughs> I did not... <laughs> Uh, succeed in, in fixing the election, but you know it's it's over now. So here we are. You stole the ballots. You're the reason right. why they're at the ballots. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Stephen here, Justin over there, and Casey. Justin, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm all right. I've been on a roller coaster since we last uh, potted. I got married and then got COVID. So, well, it's great. You know, it's a great time. <laughs> that's, that's that's the circle of life. You know? Circle of life. Yeah, I mean, congratulations on the uh, nuptials and congratulations you know, on getting COVID. Less congratulations on getting COVID, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a couple of couple of weeks or months for us here at the podcast, Ian has died that's why he's yeah he's uh that's <laughs> i guess we should address out the hop probably <laughs> yeah probably should have led with that but no ian is uh is just fine he is in columbia missouri which, which really debatable can, how fine he is kansas city feels like he could have just hopped on the phone line in between it's like a straight shot that apparently can't be bothered uh yeah, no he's uh he'll, he'll join us next time he'll be back but in the meantime there's a lot of soccer news to talk about. Football news, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Um, not a lot of, of new news about uh, MLS for the Lou, St. Louis City SC. I'm wearing the shirt today. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, I should have put mine on. <laughs> um, yeah, wearing that. So that's, uh, that's a positive development. But there hasn't been a ton of, uh, ton of news. I mean, there are a couple of hires um, that they've made. Since we last spoke, um, Lutz has been, you know, going around putting out social media content as you do. Going pumpkins into trash cans and and I'm here for it. Uh, Big news. They are now verified on Instagram. So that's a step in the right direction. Uh, We did hire, hire, that's an unfortunate <laughs> slip of the tongue. We hired uh, Kalia Collier as the vice president of community relations. Uh, this was back on October 13th. We're thrilled to announce that Kalia Collier will be our VP of Communi- community relations, helping us deliver our promise to be an exceptional club and neighbor. Learn more at the link in our bio. Uh, I, you know, don't have a, t- a dearth of experience uh, in what, 
MOS community relations vice presidents do. Um, but I think that's, uh, I think it's good. I mean, I think it's important to have somebody devoted to that. I think, um, wow, this is a low rent website. Um, <laughs> oh, this isn't like their website. This is like some, I gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Figured it out. Sorry to besmirch them, but no. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to have somebody kind of, uh, in a, in the soccer world where it is going to be such a community level, you know, you're probably not going to have, uh, you know, a million MLS fans in St. Louis, like you might with the Cardinals, who will just go to the ballpark on any given night and just, you know, sit there to fill it up. So you're probably going to have to build better relationships and uh, encourage stronger fan uh, react responses and, and relationships with the team. And uh, I'm glad they hired somebody to do that. You have any thoughts on this move? No, oh, yeah, I forgot that we haven't talked about this yet. I think it's really cool. Uh, it kind of speaks to you. Well, first off, like all their hires so far have been like pretty knock out of the park. Like I've had mm -hmm. no problems with any of it. And, you know, Kalia, she's done a lot of work just in like the youth community. So she was like really big with girls on the run for a while. Um, obviously I think she was GM of the surge, which is their basketball team. Okay. All right. Um, but I think it just speaks to like what they're trying to do and that's kind of reach more of a broad swath of St. Louis as opposed to kind of your typical Blues or Cardinals fan. So I like it. This is her bio. Uh, this is from her bio on the St. Louis Surge website. A St. Louis native with a deep commitment to the city, Collier is an entrepreneur dedicated to a franchise. She is a strong believer that St. Louis can support a women's franchise and is working hard to see her vision through. Uh, delving into sports management, she has taken on the task of rebranding the face, women's athletic, through the St. Louis surge, uh, and it goes on. It's a long bio. History in basketball, attended Columbia right. College, uh, you know, MOBAP. I also Saint hope, Coast. like, with Clea and obviously with a women-led ownership group, like, I wonder if that opens the door to some NWSL action coming up as well. Like, that would be cool to... That'd be amazing, yeah. To like, because um, we're always, like, high up in the ratings, too. So I wonder if yeah. that's, like, part of this, if they want to... I mean, I think that'd be awesome. We also hired, I can't remember, I don't think we covered this, uh, Matt Seebeck as the uh, chief experience. Oh, we did talk about chief experience officer. I wouldn't forget that. So see, it has, it's only barely been a month since we left. So. <laughs> I'm always um, down for talking about chief experience officers more though. <laughs> yeah. uh, while we were on a break, uh, we also witnessed the official uh, final death of of, of St. Louis City, uh, the, uh, yeah, I can't speak. You know what I'm St. trying Louis to football say. St. No Louis City. FC um, and the uh, USL. Uh, you know, sad, sad that that happened. But um, as we've talked about in the past, I mean, I don't have the strong connection to St. Louis City that some do. I'm not trying to besmirch it at all. I think that's great that people do care. Um, but you know, I, I also don't think it's wrong for MLS to want to build its own youth for, for, you know, St. Louis city to want to build its own youth program and kind of start from the ground up there. Uh, it's a community that's rich with talent. Um, you know, we know that we see Josh Sargent and others from the St. Louis area succeeding at, you know, the highest levels of, of world soccer. So, um, you know, it's, it's. It's not something that they want to just kind of slap together, I don't think. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I, it sucks for the people who are really involved and the, you know, the, say the hooligans who were really, um, you know, supporting that team. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of not a surprise, I guess. I don't know. You have more thoughts on that? No. Yeah. I think it was probably inevitable. Like once we got an MLS team and once it was clear that they weren't working together. And I think that was part of the outrage is that relationship was never like totally defined. And we've talked about that on the podcast before about mm-hmm. like how that's one of the bigger sticking points of the singles FC supporters and supporter groups, but it was always kind of inevitable and COVID just kind of sped that up because you don't have the like gate revenue that you once had, they probably relied on as a smaller independent mm-hmm. you know, soccer group. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sad to see them go like that. And it's sad that you don't get like an official send off with limited capacity in the stands and everything, but. Yeah. I mean, that does suck for sure. Um, I think it's just, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, it's, it sucks, but they have, they didn't really have a stadium. They didn't have a dedicated place. You know, I mean, they had a a facility, but some of these USL teams have really legit, like big. Are you questioning the legitimacy of uh, St. Louis soccer park? Yeah. Excuse me. I shouldn't, (laughs) I shouldn't have, I I overreached there. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, New Mexico's trying to build like a whole like legit stadium for their USL club and, and you know there are other like teams at that Louisville have, Stadium, which holds like fourteen thousand. Yeah, think, and, yeah. There are, and and it's just it. I get, I get their desire to um, to build their own thing, uh, I guess. And and I yeah. understand some of the resentment now uh, from the Luligans, uh and some of that desire to, um, you know, be kind of grumpy <laughs> and uh, be. Uh, you know, be a little bitter about what's going down. And I get that. I just hope that it, over the couple of years that we still have to build towards the debut of MOS, they'll kind of change their tune and realize that this is still a really good thing for the community. And it's what they've yeah. hopefully always think- wanted, even if it looks a little different from what they had in the first or what they, you know, had before. And I think the city SC like group ownership group, others because Kavanaugh's on it and just because they're good at reading like the vibe of the city understand that and they've like reached out to members of the Lilligans gave them like early access to like season tickets and things like that so I think that bridge is being mended and I think by the time we still have a long time for 2023 who knows if we even reach 2023 Stephen <laughs> <And laughs> yeah seriously um also uh you know as as long as we're talking about the usl and kind of unfortunate cancellation of their championship match due to uh covid19 outbreak with uh phoenix rising so they had to cancel that game which was supposed to be um last sunday uh and essentially i think that's just the end of the season that ends without an official champion because just call it uh, (laughs) contracts had to be you know kind of killed as it was anyway so um, yeah, it, it sucks. I'm, I'm kind of glad. I mean, you know, I would have loved to see St. Louis FC make a, a miracle run, but man, it would have sucked if they got that like the miracle run the and then not game. even have the game. Not even have a game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's the USL. That's kind of the St. Louis update for now. Uh, you know, we're gonna, 
we're over the next years as we build towards this, obviously there will be weeks where there's a lot of St. Louis city news and, and weeks where there's not so much. This is yeah. one of those weeks or uh, in this case months where there is probably, not it'll probably be a little a while I would expect, but um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're going to be talking about soccer and uh, in Ian's case, learning about soccer and, you know, learning that soccer exists and uh, we'll, we'll get there. So it's very uh, we'll important go ahead. to him. That's right. It's deep within his blood. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the Premier League now uh, and the reigning and I would say uh, presumptive Premier League champions, uh, Southampton, uh, are at the top of the yes. table <laughs> with 16 points. Uh, Liverpool. It's crazy to think that by securing 16 points, Southampton has basically ensured that they won't be relegated. <laughs> like, They're keeping up. Like, they could lose every game, but maybe like three the rest of the season and probably not be relegated. Um, but uh, Southampton, top of the table. Liverpool uh, tied one point behind with the ability to go ahead uh, tomorrow if they can beat or draw uh, Man City. Chelsea behind them, 15. Leicester at 15. Tottenham 14 and then a, a group of teams at 13, 12, and 11, which includes uh, Everton, who fell today to Man U, as we'll talk about shortly, uh, Crystal Palace, Wolverhampton, uh, Aston Villa, Arsenal, West Ham, who uh, got a late and very critical victory today against um, Fulham, and then Man City, Newcastle, Man U, we talked about, or as I said, we'll, we'll talk about Leeds. Oh, who, we'll get uh, to it. Leeds lost today, right? They did lose yeah. eventually. Yes. yes. Uh, and Brighton sixteen. Lost to Crystal Fulham, Palace. Seventeen. Yeah, not not great. Uh, and in the way too early, but judging by who's there, not too early. Um, relegation spots: West Brom, Burnley, and uh, poor Sheffield, who have just lost all of the magic of the pre-COVID so season. Incredible <laughs> that. Last year they were last year they were relegation favorites and they come out, they stun everyone and like, yeah, they stumbled a little bit like after the COVID restart, but they like gained ground again towards the end of the year. Like everything mm-hmm. started to come back. And then they have one point from eight games. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that is really nuts. Because uh, yeah, it's one thing if you like shock people and avoid relegation by finishing twelfth or whatever, you know, <laughs> they were like they were never championship challengers, but they were threats for they were eighth place, I believe. What did yeah. they finish last year? Um uh, no, they they were like right threats here. for like top six within they like finished ninth. Ninth, okay. But two points so, yeah, behind Arsenal. That, like, group. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's uh it's just and your crazy one point to... is a tie against full on it doesn't look great (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah that is true um yeah just just interesting uh yeah let's go ahead and let's talk about uh the top of the table a little bit though as uh you mentioned in the notes here southampton presumptive champions over liverpool they're Um, tied to lose i gotta i gotta i gotta tell you i'm actually i've always liked southampton uh, so it wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't, you know, at all believe that um, that's going to be the uh, case when it's all said and done. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't hate it. 
I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, they have that real, uh, um, that real like. You remember that Pochettino coach? You this might have been before you were like really supporting Liverpool, so you might not remember. But there's a time where, like, when Pochettino was coming up, that his Southampton team was like a Champions League contender for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and they I do all their yep. players are bought out, and then Pochettino left, and like this Hasenhutl squad has like that same kind of like vibe to it. I think it's like yeah. perennial overachievers with a really good coach that'll probably get poached away, and then they'll go back to where they were eventually. <laughs> It would only be appropriate since uh, half of Liverpool's roster are ex-Southampton yeah. players anyway. <laughs> if Liverpool did lose their championship to them, it would be kind of fitting. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they're a team, I think, when they're at their best, um, that are kind of like that, sort of that, uh, like, RB Leipzig sort of mm-hmm. vibe, where it's like they're yeah. almost sort of a development club within the league. <laughs> where they find and, and train and develop a lot of great young players and then obviously always inevitably sell them so that they can, you know, yeah. see greener pastures <laughs> and and more uh, more experience uh, elsewhere. I mean, you know, Virgil van Dyke came from there. Um, Mane came from there as well. Uh, obviously, two of the truly, I mean, you know, we'll talk about Virgil's injury in a minute, but true, two of the truly elite players in the world right now. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're not alone in, um, in coming from that squad and, and blossoming into stars. Uh, so I knew I could count on the internet. Uh, this is 2018, though, um, to have a, something like a best former uh, Tottenham player squad. They've got Luke Shaw, or is sorry, from Southampton, Victor Wanyama. Luke Shaw, that's right. Uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, Adam Waylana. So, like I said, half of Liverpool. <laughs> uh, Theo Walcott, Gareth Bale, obviously, uh, and Sadio Omane. So, yeah, uh, just a lot of really good players that that came from that club, and I'd love to see them. You know, I I think it feel it felt really wrong last year when, and the last few years when Southampton was kind of flirting with relegation. Uh, and while I don't expect them to actually stay near the top of the table for very long, uh, it would be nice to have them be a strong mid-table team who's always, you know, tough to tough to beat and not somebody you ever want to see yourself playing. And they against. have Danny Ings, so he'll yeah. probably win the Golden Boot. Danny Ings, great, great <laughs> story. I mean, genuinely a great story of a, of a guy who really persevered. Uh, quick look at the uh, way too early championship table. Uh, Reading is actually first with 22 points, uh, having won their last two after a three-game skid. And Watford and Norwich uh, are right behind them, and Bournemouth and Bristol right behind them. Swansea, Middlesbrough, and Stoke are behind them. I don't care. Like, I don't care about them as much as I did like Leeds coming up last year. There's like no team that really excites me. (laughs) I guess Reading would be interesting just because I feel like they've been away the longest. Yeah, they don't. They seem like, I mean, Watford, Norwich, Bournemouth, Swansea, even Bristol to a lesser extent feel like um, that kind of like more like a Premier League team that's kind of stuck down there, you know? Yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough. I don't even know when the last time Middlesbrough was up. It's been a um, while. And Stoke has been down for a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's anybody's, it's still a lot of teams that have a chance down there. Uh, Derby County and Sheffield Wednesday day with six points apiece probably do not. So, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, Liverpool overall, you know, I guess we can talk about Man City and Liverpool 
uh, now just because it's it's on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Liverpool is a team that is a little bit in flux without you know probably their best player, uh, even as good as their whole team is. Van Dyke's still probably that much better. He's the I would say yeah. I mean he is like what sets him apart from like City and like he's mm-hmm. just that linchpin in the back. That's so yeah. solid. And so to see him go down on on a really pretty ridiculous play by uh, <laughs> uh, Pickford, right? I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, well, I, I'm like kind of mad that we didn't talk last week because I just need to talk about that Pickford play. Like, because, all right, sure. so here's what happened. I mean, we haven't spoken, so go ahead. <laughs> Is So in the derby between Liverpool and Everton, Jordan Pickford goes for a ball in a play that ends up not counting anyway. So this is a play, it's like moots. This play does not exist in the annals of this game in which he completely misses the ball. Uh, hits Virgil van Dyke, who ends up tearing. Is it MCL they messed up? Is that? Uh, yeah. Yes, I believe yeah. so. So Virgil van Dyke who ends up tearing his MCL in the process because he gets his like leg caught in the tackle. Um, during the process, Pickford's able to knock the ball into his own net and then proceeds to yell in Virgil van Dyke's direction to get up because he feels like he is stalling okay. for time. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Pickford <laughs> is a disaster. It was, it was very I'm impressive. A <laughs> um, we'll talk about him more later, actually, but just like what a mess. What a freaking mess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Virgil is, is neutralized uh, for the remainder of the season, and, and that obviously really damages Liverpool's hopes of, of being the champions uh, again. But I don't think they're out of the running by any means. They're a good, deep team. Um, and I was talking to you about, you know, I just I, – as much as I'm a personally a Liverpool fan and obviously loved watching them run away with the league title last year – this is so much more fun. I mean, it's, it's so much better to have uh, five or six teams at the top of the table, any of whom, you know, obviously we're still very early could uh, emerge and take this thing. I mean, that's really what you want as a soccer fan. So uh, I like that. Uh, how do you feel about uh, what um, Man United did today and their existence in general and all the money they've spent and how good an idea it was to spend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. Um, I feel good about today. I like sometimes I hate it when they have like the problem is with Man United is that they'll have performances like today, they'll have performances like where they beat PSG and where they beat Leipzig five nothing, where you're like, all right, this team's turning it around, they're in the right direction, and then they'll have two straight games where they just like completely crap the bed. And like mm-hmm. They look good. They looked okay today. I'd say it's more Everton looking bad than them looking good, though, is where I would yeah. rate this performance, especially after the uh, Shikshir game. Mm-hmm. You know, the Istanbul game, <laughs> that team yeah. in Champions League, however you say it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence. And then when you look at just where this team has been and the amount of investment there is, and I don't like being on the fire Oleg on a Solskjaer train because I don't think that solves the problem but you also look at these games and like realize Ole doesn't really have tactics and they don't play I would say they play at their level or below their level most of the time and you have mm-hmm. a player like Paul Pogba who has these stretches where he looks great and these stretches where he looks like a shell of the former self and I don't know there's something in the soup's not right and 
that answer is probably Ed Woodward. That answer is probably spending way too much money on players that you don't need to spend that much money on. And then having that expectation there and having young players who could do as well, if not better in that position that are being looked over. There's just a lot of problems. Yeah. And then you look at like what's going on with De Gea and Dean Henderson. And it's like, you have two really good goalies that are just kind of being wasted at this point. Yeah. I was taught, I was listening to total soccer show. Um, there are unfortunately other other podcasts that cover soccer. Ours Believe is the best, <laughs> but uh, there are others that exist. Uh, and I was listening to Total Soccer Show uh, just a, a few hours ago, and they were, you know, on Friday's episode, we're talking about LA Galaxy uh, and Chris Klein as the president, you know, and and kind of pontificating, speculating whether you know maybe a lot of their problems come a lot of galaxies problems and we'll talk about them probably later on come from hmm. above um you know the manager level even though they keep cycling through managers and, and they have now fired another one and um you know whether it was maybe more of an organizational problem and i think that is true with manu i mean i don't i don't think ole has been fantastic um necessarily but i think he's been good in stretches uh and i don't know that he's done anything wrong um but, you know, like, I mean, this is a team that still has Paul Pogba for reasons, but has never, like, it's never worked. That was never, it hasn't worked yeah. for one second, you know? And, like, they're not really, they don't really seem to be trying to make it work, but they don't seem to be trying to sell him either, you know? I mean, or they're not doing it effectively in any case. They're definitely not so doing like, it now because he's going to get yeah. like half of what his market value is. He's going to go yeah. somewhere else and be great. So it's like you're stuck with him because you don't want to let him leave for less than what you should get for him go somewhere else and be really good. And he's going to go to one of the other top European clubs when yeah. your rivals for better or worse. And yeah, so it's better. like, it's just, it's, it's stuff like that that makes you feel like Again, and you're the, you know, you're closer to it, more of an expert than me, but it just seems like there's not a direction there. And there's a lot of yeah. kind of moves for moves sake, but not a lot of team building. Um, and you look you at, know. like, you look at the Falcal signing, it's like classic. We went for a player. And so Jane Sancho, we couldn't get the deal done. That player would have made us a lot better. That player is a very dynamic player. But for whatever reason, we didn't want to spend that little bit extra money that we got the deal done. So instead, we're going to use a large portion of that money that we were going to spend on Jane Sancho for like a washed up Edison Gavani, who is still good, but not anywhere the player that Jane Sancho mm-hmm. was going to be. And it's just like yeah. spending money to spend money's sake. And we have one of the most expensive squads in Europe and we're in 15th place in the Premier League. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will use any opportunity to sing Jurgen Klopp's <laughs> phrases. So forgive me. But I was thinking no, about. Go for it. Earlier this week, I mean, I was looking at a just a, a video, a goofy video with uh, Andy Robertson and and Trent Alexander Arnold, who you know are in, in my opinion, you can disagree with me, but they're certainly in the top five of pair of fullbacks in in the world and on the same club team, you know, and I would say maybe arguably the best. Um, and that's a those are, that's a pair of guys that Liverpool essentially got for eight million dollars because Trent is homegrown and uh you know Andy Robertson they paid eight million for you know when when he was kind of stuck in in Scotland and and not really developing and look I'm not trying to sit here and pretend that Jurgen Klopp knew that Andy Robertson would become 
one of the world's elite left backs by any means. I don't, th- I think that's probably being a little too generous to him, but I think he did find someone he thought could be really special and, and help his team. And he found them at the right price. And it's, you know, it's moves like that, that then allow him to say, Hey, I need to pay $17 billion for a cornerback because he actually is the best in the world. <laughs> and we need uh, a best in the world center half to, you know, like to, yeah. anchor our team defensively and and, and united yeah. spent 70 million on harry Maguire. so yeah but, you know who's better <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and he's, but he's done that you know with allison and with with uh virgil he's gone out and done that and just paid up for the best you know or, or mm. you know with in allison's case probably top five or ten in the world at least um yeah Absolutely. and then you know he makes a lot of moves like you know, uh, Diego Jada and uh, Robertson and even uh, Mohamed Salah was, you know, not a, a top dollar move at the time. He makes a lot of those moves and, and finds the best in players. And, and that's kind of what, you know, that's, that's just, and I, again, I'm not just trying to be, you know, grossly. No, I think it, I think it paints a Klopp, picture but, of Jurgen Klopp has like so much influence and they'll take on these reclamation projects, which is what Mo Salah was. He was a failed Chelsea striker who found his way under Jurgen Klopp. Whereas Ed Woodward is for all intents and purposes, as far as we know, in charge of transfers and like takes uh-huh. some suggestions from Ole and from Sakharov. So for the most part, it's like based on value and financials over like actual soccer upside, which mm-hmm. seems to be a lot of the issues when you look at the players they brought in and like, yeah, Bruno Fernandez was great, but that was a slam dunk. Like he was always going to be good. And like that just papers over some of the cracks of like your other signings. And you spend yeah. a lot of money on Donnie Vandebeek and he's played like, I think 80 minutes total so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, that's exactly it is, is it's Jurgen Klopp's never made a transfer at Liverpool that, didn't seem purposeful, you know, and he's, he's had some that haven't worked out. I don't think he's gotten, you know, Does he have any Fred's? Have you ever done million. a Fred level transfer? Have you tried <laughs> transferring for Fred? <laughs> uh, no, but maybe I, maybe I ask him to, uh, yeah. no, I mean, it's his third most expensive transfer to date is with Liverpool with any team is Navicata for 66 million. I don't think you would argue that he's gotten, uh, that value out of Navicata, who is not even a regular starter, uh, yeah. for the team but that still doesn't feel like a player that you were just like blindly you know going after and you know just like oh he's shiny let's go buy him you know there are others uh that haven't worked out yeah great or who haven't seen um everything you know that you might expect from him uh i, I lied robertson was 9.9 million uh so you know almost oh 10. fake news really, Stephen. fake news <laughs> really extravagant uh, but yeah, I mean, you see what I'm saying. Like they, they don't, um, they don't just do moves just to do them. Yeah, I think so. Um, you look at that versus what United have done in the past five years. They brought in Paul Pogba in 2017 for 115 million U.S. dollars, and then Harry Maguire was 95 million U.S. dollars. Romelu Lukaku, they paid 90 million for, which I didn't realize they spent that much money on Lukaku. Um, and then he was gone within a year because Mourinho didn't like him. <laughs> and then Angel Di Maria, that was a famous flop. That was going, that's going back a little bit further, but it kind of paints the picture uh, for 82 million. They bought Fred for, I think it was 50 million euros at the time. 
Uh, yeah, it's not great. They brought Bruno Fernandez for 50 million and he's been fantastic. He's outplayed every single player above him on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you don't want to just pour money into something. Yeah. It just paints the picture of like, they have all this yeah. expensive shit that doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you look at what, who Crystal Palace has signed, no, I'm just, let's do it. Um, <laughs> Wilf Zaha. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wonder who, who is Crystal Palace's most, uh, expensive They're like transfer. perennial overachievers there because people yeah. have been picking them for like the relegation zone since 2017 i, I want to say and i, I kind of <laughs> have a soft spot for crystal palace yeah i think it's because there's so much going on on their freaking crest you know yeah it's not just yeah. a soccer ball uh <laughs> Eberichi, uh etsy for 19.58 million from qpr Okay. Uh, and uh, Jack Butlin for 1.2 million. <laughs> That's this year's, but uh, you know, uh, so still impressive. Ooh, 1924, 1925 transfers. It's actually gonna no, no shame, shame. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, speaking of of transfers, I thought it'd be interesting to look at kind of the top of the table and talk about maybe what element each team is missing. Um, uh, to kind of, you know, put them over the top if they're going to be put over the top. Um, if they were going to make one big transfer in the, in the transfer market that's coming in January, what would it be? Uh, in Southampton's case, I don't know that there is one big hole to fill, you know, yeah, probably. I think they're, they're the classic, like the whole of the group is better than the than its parts yeah. kind of team. But, um, and, like, uh, and you know, goes back to the Leipzig example. Right. And I don't know that they're going to say that they're going to stay there for a super long time. Uh, in Liverpool's case, you know, I, I would just say, obviously, something to replace the whole Virgil van Dijk left. Um, you know, I mean, Fabino has been uh, spectacular as a cornerback at times. And, and it, you know, um, Joe Gomez, when he's managed to be healthy, uh, has been fantastic. Um, you know, I think he's actually probably underrated uh, just on account of his um, injury history and, you know, how little he gets to see the field and the fact that he's standing next to uh, Virgil van Dyke all the time. Uh, Joel Matip is not by any stretch a, a bad guy to have, uh, you know, as kind of a, a third third option there. But, um, you know, you'd like to see them get some more depth in defense uh, they're stretched pretty thin now. And if, if they lose any of those other guys, then they're really in trouble. So that's probably their biggest need. What do you think about for Chelsea? Is there one position you can kind of pinpoint and, and uh, say, this is what they truly uh, need? Goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Chelsea's tough because they just spent all that money. Right. And it's like, it's going to take a while for yeah all those players to gel. I would think like, I don't think, I think defense and goalkeeping has been their issue. Like they have so much like an embarrassment of attacking riches, but I think their defense is still suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think they're also, like you said, a team that's just going to have to sit and, um, yeah, I think they have they have a lot of really really good young players, and I think that's not going to be like it's not going to be good right away, but like in a couple of years, that's going to be a ridiculous level of talent. 
yeah next year yeah. maybe who knows <laughs> i love i love google when you can google something like premier league team's biggest needs and it brings up like the third result is a bleacher report article for may 4th 2017 yeah that's fun it's got marine it's got marine <laughs> cautiously hugging apparently injured marcus rashford Okay. Arsenal needed okay. a manager, Winger out, sign, <laughs> uh, Bournemouth a center more. back, Burnley a striker, Chelsea a striker, Crystal Palace a center back, Everton a striker. Well, this isn't even specific. That's, uh, that's, that's what they need all the time. <laughs> Liverpool needed a center back. I think they did it. Oh, Ragnar yeah, they, they knocked that oh, one out. Boy. Man, there were some people on this team. Okay. Um, <laughs> Moving on down the table, you've got uh, Lester. You know, Lester needs anyone not named Jamie Vardy who can score goals. I yeah, think is, uh, really one of do. their biggest needs. They just do not. I mean, they're it's honestly incredible what they've done over the past. You know, since the since the championship run, you would have thought they would really fade quickly and become irrelevant, but they haven't. Uh, which is a credit to them, but they still are just a very thin team. I think up front. Um, yeah, I mean, Jamie Vardy is Jamie Vardy and you're, I don't know, like that dude is so ridiculously consistent, but he's also like old and you wonder mm-hmm. like when the, the wheels are going to fall off. Cause you feel like they will eventually. Isn't he like 36? Like he's not even just soccer old. He's, a, he's like all he's a late bloomer. old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's, uh, wait, he's 33. So, oh man, I always <laughs> overestimate I would have thought, but he looks, like he looks older than he is. I think it's yeah. that rough lifestyle, but he also, he well, didn't break into the premier league until he was 27 or whatever. So I don't know. you wonder if maybe he, because he hasn't been the premier league for as long, like he doesn't have all those hard miles that mm-hmm. like Marcus Rashford has on him. He's lived a very rough life though. His wife has been heavily pregnant for like 17 years. So heavily you know. pregnant, Steven. <laughs> um, Tottenham, you have a, a top need for Tottenham. I don't know. Like, I mean, getting Gareth Bale healthy would probably be like for them. I would assume it's a Mourinho team, so like they probably want to strengthen their defense so that they can park the bus and play the most boring soccer in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they're they're up top is good. Like, I think you know you brought Bale in, you have Harry Kane playing like playmaker now, and uh-huh. like I think midfield is great i think like with the majority of premier league teams need better defense and i think they're mm-hmm. one of them yeah uh everton like, i don't know outside it's i don't know outside of like toby all the while like who their defense is <laughs> yeah i could not i literally don't know if i can name another <laughs> defenseman uh everton below them i mean i think the answer is there is pretty obvious we've already discussed him jordan pickford is a blight on not only the premier league but society it's such a, a shame whole. they they've took such a stretch step forward yeah but like, i mean they brought in Amos, obviously <laughs> you know yeah if uh you know i don't know if if their owners are going to have the appetite for another big transfer uh this year um, after what they did over the summer, but I don't know how you can pretend um, that Pickford is a solution. They gave, I mean, they gave Pickford quote unquote rest last weekend, right? And then, yeah, I mean, he was back this week and, and still lost. So, like, I think looking at, like, I think they're still a little bit thin, obviously defensively and like a little bit in the midfield, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, 
their goalkeeping situation is dire. <laughs> they want yeah. to be yeah, like, I mean, in that a, Champions League spot. They're a thin team overall a little bit, I think, but I just, I mean, but they're, not, also not as a, they're not an awful team. They're just, to be at the top of the table, they're a little thin, but that shows you how ridiculous Real Madrid is that they weren't uh-huh. using James and he's like one of the best players in the Premier League right now. Yep. Um, <laughs> Crystal Palace, Wolves, Aston Villa, I don't think we really need to discuss. Uh, Man City, I think, you know, are they going to stay at 12th? Probably not, but I do think this is kind of a transition year for them. Um, I also think they're a team who's probably weakest on defense now. I think their defense has aged pretty quickly and um, you know, Otamendi is not what he used to be. Um, if he's, he is still there. Right. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, he's not the player he once was at, at 32 now. So that's probably where I would look for them, but I don't know if this is a year that they're really concerned with trying. I mean, obviously everybody's trying to take a, yeah, a I think they're probably looking for a Kyle Walker replacement, probably mm-hmm. someone because when Sergio Aguero wasn't playing, they're a different team. So probably someone that can step into those shoes as well. In this team, it's yeah. not like they won't spend money. They just haven't really had like that refurbishing that they probably need to have had. But mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and then uh, anything you would add to Man United? Uh, any specific need you would address more than the they general need, sort of? Like it's so hard. Like mess. they need defense definitely. And like the problem is it's a mess, but I don't think spending money is the answer. Like they need to get players out of there and like reassess. Like, I don't know. I wonder, like they can't ship a year because if they miss the Champions League again, it's like disastrous for their financials, but they almost need to like ship a year out, get rid of a bunch of like dead weight and try to like actually have some direction, but that'll never happen. So they'll finish seventh. They'll be fine. (laughs) Maybe fifth. Maybe like they did last year. Um, this is such a rabbit hole, but, uh, there was an article on the athletic I just saw called Republican or Democrat who the premier league's U S owners donate to. And my first thought was, why would I care? And then I opened (laughs) it, which I guess is what they wanted me to do. And the sentence is an editor's note that said a version of this article was briefly published before Donald Trump was hospitalized earlier this month. So I guess they took it down. Um, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I just, I, and again, not a political cycle statement, really, but just a comment on the news cycle. Doesn't it feel like our president was in the hospital seven years ago? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem like a thing that happened last month. Anyway, uh, elections <laughs> over, we can be free again until they start talking about 2024 mm-hmm. in like six minutes. Um, right. Like we're done talking about 2020. Who am I kidding? Uh, what are your predictions for the Premier League team, Premier League table now that we're uh, 20% of the way through the season? What do you think? Yeah, it's here? interesting because it's so scrunched up. Like we're, you know, we played eight games and like no one has really separated. Like Liverpool's there, obviously. Chelsea, uh-huh. Leicester, Tottenham are where you want them to be. Everton probably aren't going to be as good as they were those first couple of games. Southampton will probably struggle. You expect Man City, United. You probably expect Arsenal to be better than they are with Arteta eventually. Like, I don't know, because there's like seven teams, eight teams fighting for those four Champions League spots. Like, it's going to be really interesting with the points where they are. Like, I think Liverpool are probably the favorites to win, as much as that hurts my heart to say it. Chelsea, 
are probably a lot for that top three again as well. I think Leicester might falter just because they're not that deep overall. Mm-hmm. Tottenham, it depends on how sick they are, Mourinho, by the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> like, I yeah. think if I were to bet my top four right now, hinging on Gareth Bale, I would say Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Leicester would probably, eh, Man City. I think if we're going to, I think it would go Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Tottenham. Yeah, I had no problem with that. I mean, I obviously like the idea of Liverpool's repeat. I think they're the most interesting team to watch because, like, will they be mature enough to keep it going for 40 games? Or will they have and they play really and, open too, which is kind of fun to yeah. watch. Like yeah, they're oh, very no, prone to like a four three game. They're a super fun <laughs> team, but like, yeah, that's like, are they gonna be steady enough to keep it all the way yeah. through? I mean, and we it, saw that and with Pule Six stay healthy is a big yeah. thing too, with how crucial he's been. We saw that with Liverpool the year before they ultimately did win, where they were obviously one of the top teams in the league. Uh, but there was that period right around um I think it was right around Christmas where they just, they just dropped a few and, you know, that put that let Manchester city back in the door. And then they had that incredible, like 18 game run where none of them dropped points neither of them dropped points and and city won by one point. It was a phenomenal race, but like, you know, that you, the way the premier league has been the last few years and with as good as those top teams are, you really cannot have a stretch of five bad games, you know, or or you're out of it. So. And like, um, if you start out the gate like that, you're coming from behind the whole way and you're already stretched thin because of the way the fixtures are like city are in trouble. If they want to challenge for the title, they're going. Yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, it is crazy to think about that. You know, they're, they played six games. Obviously, if they, you know, if they win their games in hand, they're right out there with the rest of the team. But like, mm. they've all also lost one and drawn two already. Like, you know, they've they've not looked great. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's weird to think of like, okay, they've got eleven points. Leicester has fifteen points. How are they out of it? But in a way, they they feel like they are. You know, and if they win tomorrow, it's a lot different conversation. But if Liverpool wins yeah. tomorrow, then they're one or I guess two games at hand still, so they could catch up. But like their fixtures are yeah, so but the, I mean, It's two games at hand with two losses and two draws mm. already. Off and the they're books, playing like know, twice a week plus Champions League for like eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Talk, talk to me about uh, switching gears to another European team. Uh, talk to me about Bayern Munich. Uh, pretty hard to argue the best team in the world right yeah, now. Like, so I was thinking about this today because when we were talking about it. And like, if you remember when we came back from the break and we were talking about Bundesliga since it was the only league back and it's the only league that we ever care about and how like Bayern were slipping up and Dortmund and Mönchengladbach and like Leverkusen were all there within striking distance because they had such a bad start last year and then turned it on and were unbeatable. But the way they've started this year, like it's pretty insane. Like I just expect them to not lose. And I was watching the Dortmund yeah. game today and like some of the pun, like some of the, I think the line on it was Dortmund were expected the favorites by a goal. And I just like, don't understand how that could have been with how first how Byron have looked and Dortmund are like historically not achieved well against Byron also. So, uh, yeah, they. Yeah, they're. Did you get, uh, have you gotten a chance to watch them a lot lately? 
I haven't. And I actually want to start seeking them out more because I, you know, I really like the Bundesliga. But they're just a, they are that team. You know, what I like about Bayern is that it just, it doesn't seem like they're out there just throwing around mm-hmm. money the way some of the like PSGs and, and Barcelonas do, you know, as much. I mean, I'm sure they do more and I just don't maybe realize some of the. And they have they players that have been there for forever. But, like, yeah, they, guys at like one upon a time, have been there once since. upon a time spent money, but Lewandowski, yeah. Muller, Boateng have all been there for forever. Yeah, for a thousand years. And so that's <laughs> like, it makes you feel, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit better about liking them because it feels more like, oh, they're like legit, decent people. You know, not decent people, but they're like, they're not this money quad that's just throwing throwing money at all their issues. Like they're good on their own and they you know built this team and and um so Have that gives system, you man. Yeah. yeah that gives you just a little little nicer feeling uh about you know kind of feeling good about them um they yeah, remind just, me a lot and i don't want to talk about liverpool too much on this podcast even you know i would hate to do that but they remind <laughs> me a lot about how like liverpool last year they weren't necessarily the best team on paper as far as like underlying numbers go like man city was probably the better team last year outside of results but they are very clinical and they just get the job done like Bayern technically had the better game today when you look at like the underlying numbers but Bayern are just incredibly like clinical with their chances and Lewandowski is the best striker in the world yeah I think that's pretty hard to argue right now um certainly the best finisher you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's the best the purest shooter and and scorer um, yeah, I mean, I, I, probably they can't go for, you know, when it uh, went out, um, they probably slip and, and lose one, uh, but I'm not guaranteeing it, you know, yeah. uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. Um, like, I think, like, I think it'll be maybe not as close as it was last year, but I think there will be a time where there's still that title race, but like Dortmund, uh, you almost feel like Dortmund not being able to get it done today is the end of their title contention. We're like two weeks into the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Gio Reyna's out there playing extraordinarily amazing. well. Um, Winning my heart. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about uh, USMNT more in a moment, but God, the future is really bright. It's, it's hard He's to... Like, it's amazing that Gio Reyna, 17-year-old, they, they're like letting him take corner kicks and like almost every chance yeah. it looks like Reina's either setting up the pass or being like the main distributor. And it's yeah. Just so good to see. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, I was, I was thinking about the team that we have that we're taking to Europe. Um, well, taking to Europe, taking from Europe, really. <laughs> um, and a couple of them and, around in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, we'll talk about them, but it's just like, man, I really, I, I was thinking in my car, I was like, what's to stop us from winning the cup in 2026? And I was what like, well, is stopping us? <laughs> I was like, well, a lot of other really good international teams, but I don't think uh, this is the first time, you know, I don't think they'll be ready in 22. I hope that they're, you know, make it for starters. And then, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, a, like, a really good the run, thing is. But- half of international soccer is just like playing well together. Like that's why yeah. those England teams never won. Cause they all hated each other. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And, and that's what I think excites me about this so much is that they are coming up together. They're all in the same age, you know, guys like Pulisic and, and McKinney seem to really like each other. 
Um, you know, I think they're, it's corny, but I think there is a little more of kind of that U.S. like call it pride or even arrogance, but that little, you know, I think U.S. teams tend to gel together for country a little better than maybe some other international teams do, you know. Um, and obviously it's not a gimme in 2026, but I don't, I think it will be the first time that I will look at, at the U.S. team as like a legitimate threat you know, in the, in the world cup. Um, whereas in the past you think, well, maybe they get to the round of 60, maybe even they push through to the round of eight. Uh, but they're not, they're not a real contender here. Yeah. I think they could and be. Like, and I think by that point, Pulisic could be, you know, genuinely among the best players in the world. And so could, you know, Destin and a couple of other guys at their positions. And, and yeah, they'll I think, be real, so like jumping yeah. ahead in our notes a little bit. So let's just, let's just talk about the rosters now since we're yeah, already. <laughs> Why not? So like looking at the players and so this is just a European roster, leaving out MLS players, which we probably should anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to watch Giassi's artists. So that's a win. That's true. Greg's going to be mad at me for saying that. Um, Greg, Greg, so Greg, like, you mean? You have Zach Steffen as a starter by 2026. He's going to be in like prime goalkeeping age. Like he'll be yeah. 32 or something like that. Yeah. Um, is that how age works? I don't know. Uh, you'll have Christian Pulisic. 32 uh, is older than he is now. Sebastian <laughs> Soto, Josh Sargent, Gio Reyna, uh, Conrad De La Fuente, who, if you don't know much about him, 17 year old Barca Academy player, hasn't played much for the first team yet, but has been training with the first team one of the best teams in the world, like, and trading with Des too, which if they stay together, will be a nice little one, two. Um, you look at the defenders, guys are, you know, Dest, Reggie Cannon, John Brooks will be probably done by then. I would think cause he's getting a little bit older. Tim Ream will definitely not be on that team. Anthony Robinson, a uh, young player for Leeds, Chris Richards. He is part of Bayern's youth setup. Uh, has played a couple of games for them, but he's another really young player. Um, and then, like forwards are probably where like striker legitimately is probably where we have the most question marks, like depending on how uh-huh. Sargent is going to set up, like if he actually does progress how we want him to progress, because after Josie and Josie is like basically not there with his injury history anyway, it's pretty much a black hole of talent. So that's a shot at yeah. Sardis. <laughs> um, well, that's a well-deserved shot. Um, no, but I do think this is going to be a, a time for, uh, the guys that are there in that, you know, uh, Giacchini, I, th- I think is how you pronounce that. I'm terrible at. Yeah. Oh, and I, I miss but... the midfielders. Of course, Weston McKenney is going to be like prime age by then. He's already going to yeah. be great. Oh yeah. Minutes. That midfield and, uh, Ledesma and phenomenal Tyler and, Adams um, and Eunice Musa, who just got the call up. He like probably should be playing for England, but he wants to play for us. So uh, and I, I give Greg g- 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 credit for Great job, Greg. Away, you know, yeah. Um, but no, I think this is an interesting chance for you know. It sounds like Sergeant probably won't be there now because Werder Bremen is is having COVID problems and may not send players. But uh, that gives guys like Giacchini and and the other guys that are kind of competing. Uh, a chance to really establish themselves as as number nines, and mm-hmm. um, you know that's a guy that doesn't have the hype that um a lot of these other guys do because he's playing in the second league in france but he's been really good and, and he's interesting. are they and, still sponsored by uber eats who's the uh second division sponsor uh, yeah. <laughs> uh let's look it up uh league de um 
Because, I mean, if they're not sponsored by Uber Eats, it doesn't matter to me. BKT, boring. Um, oh. They were once sponsored by Domino's, though. There's hey, here. What, what is Domino's <laughs> doing sponsoring <laughs> France's second league? <laughs> what? I do really wonder, like, what goes into your head when you're, like, when you decide you want to be the official anything of anything like i get if you want to be the official siding partner of the st louis cardinals like i get that i guess because i get why domino's this business but u.s based company is going to sponsor france's second professional division (laughs) i don't get it's not like i'm it's not like anybody heard of domino's for the first time because they sponsored league two in france you know um maybe i mean i would have sponsored uh Siri B is what I would have done. If, there you if go. You're going yeah. for authenticity. Uh, which I believe uh, FIFA, the video game, lost the rights to in this. Yeah. In this they, year, their so. Italy stuff is all messed up. You can't even be Juventus. It's a big mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't. I was, yeah. You can play it. Because yeah. it's made up, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Wacky. Uh, no, but <laughs> yeah. The roster, the roster, the national team has uh, friendlies on the 12th. Uh, at Wales and then on the 16th and was it like Belgium but against Panama Austria I think but against Austria, Panama think, yeah where you would expect to face Panama in, in <laughs> Austria right yeah um, that's exactly what you exactly what you look for um, that's where the Panama Canal leads actually if you get to the other end of it you're in Austria <laughs> wow I never knew that <laughs> yeah well you learn something new every day um, how are you feeling about this Stephen how are you feeling about these games what are your thoughts? These specific games? Yeah, these specific um, Wales and Panama games. I'm really excited. I mean, I think it's because specifically because, you know, it, it keeps out the um, MLS trash. No, no, but it specifically because it has, you know, the travel restrictions have kept out a lot of the kind of standard bearers, the kind of, you know, old garb. Not just Giassi's artist, but also him. But like, you know, I think there hasn't been a US team without Michael Bradley since like 1985 or something like that. So yeah, this would be good. (laughs) Um, Those kinds of guys, just because it's that guy, it's kind of, this really is kind of like, you know, um, they were talking about it on Total Total Soccer Show. It's like the the internet fans, like, you know, daydream roster of like all all the guys that we, you know, sit around and, and dream about becoming the, becoming the team that wins this Desk. championship, <laughs> uh, wins this country, a, a, a world cup, you know, and yeah, because of a, that, it's a bit of a proving ground to like actually yeah. see if they can play together. I'm actually a little disappointed that the, that the second team is Panama. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wish it was a little country with a little more clout. I mean, of course, with our history and friendlies. Hey, Panama has made. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They've given us some games. But, um, you know, it would have been great to be like Wales and, I don't know, Belgium or whoever, you know, like somebody with a little more clout. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I can't wait for the 12th and, and, you know, watching them against Bale and seeing how they do and if Bale plays, which, you you know, who knows. But probably won't <laughs> yeah probably not probably can't be bothered but um you know old world best players like joe allen you know great 
international superstar. Great, great Welsh players um, like Daniel yeah, James and that's right. Uh, but uh, no, I'm I'm super psyched. How are you feeling about him? I'm really good. Like I think it's like I'm feeling optimistic to see that team put together. But like mm. also there's that twinge of like USMNT anxiety where it like all goes wrong and they yeah just get, like, yeah. I mean I'm glad these are just friendlies <laughs> and that they don't have any actual consequences. But it certainly could all go wrong. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's going to be an, a, you know, there are a lot of players on that roster that don't even have a cap yet. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, you've got all the potential and promise in the world, but until you start to see some yeah. of that material. There's also that like idea that I don't know if you watched that first game last year in like the gold cup, I forget who we were playing, but we were like trying to set up that Greg system. And it was just like, Pass it back. All right. Now try to like set up playing out the back. And it's probably like the one of the more boring games of soccer I've ever played because they're trying to like instill the system. I kind of mm-hmm. hope that it's not like that because I haven't watched a game of international soccer in a US soccer game in so long that I wanted to be like yeah. actually excited. Yeah, it feels like it's been a year because it, you know, has been more. Yeah. <laughs> um does Greg does Greg system end with multiple M's too? I believe so. Yeah, it's play out the back. I think <laughs> he should he should trademark system with two M's at the end. Uh, that'd be really a uh, really good point or a really good. Uh, I'll go. That'll go on the Twitter. I'll save them marketing. the drafts. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Alex Morgan debuted with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, speaking of great American superstars, yeah. Um, mom a recent recently fairly yeah, recent, recent mom alex morgan uh but uh it looked wrong as you pointed out <laughs> didn't look right for her to be in a tottenham jersey it's just like, weird. It's, it weird is, right it just <laughs> it's weird to me it's great i think it's great i wish other women's sports did this but it, it sometimes is weird to me that it's literally just the premier league men's jersey you know it's like it's yeah. the exact same it's not i think that's i think good. that's why it's so jarring like honestly i think yeah. that's why it's so jarring it's, this is the jersey harry kane wears and now yeah it's wearing it <laughs> exactly i think that's great in the sense like i said that it, it you know it doesn't separate them and, and make them other but it is kind of strange and jarring like you said um there is, uh, you know, there is an influx of uh, women's national team players into England, um, you know, uh, and that's, I guess, good. I don't know. You know, it's it's the world's the women's soccer in the world is not as not as widespread as as men's soccer, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, the top levels are, are not as as deep as men's soccer, mm. but um a lot of players have moved over there. What are your thoughts on that kind of migration and, you know, movement more away from, uh, I think it's really interesting. And I thought that's something like we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast, but I think it's something that's like super something to watch because I think NWSL is still growing as league and it wants to be the best soccer league in the world. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. with it's on field product, it is, but the money in Europe, versus the money in the u.s game is like incredible like manchester yeah. united brought in uh kristen press and tobin heath and it's like a tenth of what they spent on i don't know fred <laughs> and it fred. makes them from like a lower table team to like one of the best teams in the league they're third place because tobin heath is like third in the league with goals and assists per game so yeah it's uh it's cool i mean that's the that's the advantages that they do have that club relationship you know Mm -hmm. where 
you know, it, I don't mean to say it bluntly, but the men's clubs bring in so much money that like they can support the women's. Yeah. Well, and they spend a ridiculous things. amount of money. Yeah. So there's there's no reason that United wouldn't spend that money on the women's team with how much money no. they spend on players like Fred. No, Lord, no. I mean, <laughs> and that's that's the thing is you can unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, sign top women's players for the price that you might get a Fred or you yeah. know, not even yeah. a Fred. Um, so you know, I think that's it's. I mean, like you said, it's kind game, of a. Go ahead. No, do those games, does it interest you more? Does it make it more intriguing for you to watch versus like the NWSL that they're like that brand recognition of like Manchester United versus Tottenham per se? Or like, yeah, I mean, I think there is some of that. I think it's, I think it's fine. I, I want the best women to be playing the best women all the time, you know? And right. I think it, <laughs> it sharpens and strengthens uh, everybody across the board. And, and, you know, it's, it's great to talk about the women's national team. Obviously we're biased towards them, but I think, for the international state of the game of the women's game, it's really the other countries that need to grow and develop players mm-hmm. and, and send them to bigger leagues and better leagues. The women's national team has been at the top of the world stage for a long time now, pretty much all our lives, you know, as, as long as there has been a really highly competitive women's soccer. And, and that's great. I mean, I think it points to the fact that, you know, unfortunately as as poorly as uh the u.s handles women's sports even today it still handles them much better than many countries around the world Um, (laughs) it's not great Uh, but um yeah i mean it's it's it is kind of a double-edged sword you know because you do want to see the nwsl succeed and and really continue to grow and thrive and like like we talked about at the open you'd love to see a team in st louis and yeah and see more and more of that but you know is it you better the uswnt to be the best they can be which is why they're playing yeah right now because they're not gonna yeah. play in the u.s for a long time and also i want the women to make their money you know like i think they yeah, deserve that too alex, <laughs> alex morgan is is truly one of the elite women's players in the world and she should be paid you know, unfortunately, she's not going to be paid comparable to an elite men's star right now. And that's its own thing. But like, you know, she should be paid very well for what for what yeah, she is. I think if you look at like name recognition of people like Morgan, like Megan Rapinoe, and they should probably be paid equal to like what a Fred makes. <laughs> yeah. Poor Fred. Fred's really like I, I hate to keep ragging on Fred, but <laughs> uh, I don't think you do. I think you enjoy it quite a bit, quite frankly. You know, uh, I just I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's good though. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they get to play at a really top level and, and make more money. And and I think the NWSL will just need to find ways That's to fine. compensate for that. And, I wanted to touch on it because we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, and I thought it'd be yeah, kind of interesting. No, I think to... That's a good question. Um, let's circle back real quick to the champions league while we're still in Europe, um, and talk about the standings right now. Um, Bayern unsurprisingly has played three games and won three games in group a, uh, Atletico Madrid is, you know, it looks like probably pretty easily going to be the second team out of that group, uh, with locomotive Moscow. And although locomotive played Bayern pretty close, but yeah, yeah, locomotive isn't a joke by any means, but I just don't see them. Uh, Real Madrid currently, uh, this is a kind of a shocking group. Uh, Montreal Gladbach is, is first, 
Uh, but Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, is that a, a Turkish team? Uh, no, that is Ukrainian team, I believe. Look them up. Um, but they are in yeah. second. Ukraine. Ukraine. Wow. Wow. Way to go, Ukraine. Home of, I don't know any Ukrainian people. Uh, Real Madrid is in that group and currently third uh, with four points as well. But um, I guess, uh, did Shakhtar beat them? Or, yes. Uh, okay. Um, and uh, three to two. Yeah, that was a fun game. Inter Milan, which I literally just this moment learned stood for international. I, I did not know that <laughs> uh, is last in the group with two. So it's two really uh, world famous uh, soccer powerhouses that are behind a Ukrainian team right now. That's cool. Uh, Man, Man City has nine nine points in three games. FC Porto, six points in three games. Olympiacos and Olympic Marseille are not going to escape Group C, I don't think. Liverpool, nine, think so nine points in three games. Ajax, four and three. Your boys, Atalanta, four and three. Uh, and uh, not even going to try in uh, last place in that group. FC Mjolnir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, FC Mjolnir or something like that. Um, Chelsea seven points, uh, with Sevilla at seven points and Krasnodar and Stata Rena, Rene in first and last with a point apiece. Dortmund six points, Lazio five points in group F and club Brugge, uh, and FC Zenit are in, uh, the loving, tail loving there, pronunciations. Club, <laughs> yeah. Aren't you How do you actually say club Brugge? I should know that. I think it's Bruges. Club Bruges. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. My bad. I'm ignorant people. This news. <laughs> uh, but they're in, they, they, they have a chance. They have a chance to, to mm. go from Brugge to Bruges, uh, and, uh, knock off Lazio there. Uh, and Barcelona nine points. Juventus. I said that one, right six points uh dynamo kiev in third place and wow uh, he's, he's in fourth too <laughs> Ferenc Verossi. Ferenc Verossi. I, don't, I, I got nothing uh manchester united you know they're they're holding on six points uh rv leipzig six points uh psg three and uh yeah again bashakshir uh, as I've always said, my old friends Bashakshir are in the last. That's I. That is one Erdogan's team, Bashakshir. They're like the yeah. the uh, owned by the government, basically. Oh well, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't they be? Um, any, yeah, I mean, not a ton of surprises there. I think you know, you know, give or take two or three teams who your final yeah, sixteen I think are going to be. I would assume that Madrid is going to have a better second half than the first half. I don't think that Dinesh same for, is definitely P going to hold them off. Yeah, same for PSG. You think they probably edge in front? Yeah, I mean, PSG is interesting because, like, United wiped the floor with them. They had, like, well, they had a really bad start to the year, too, which, you know, might be part of it. Obviously, make it to the final last year, then the short turnaround. But, like, that's kind of a tough group. Like, it's these, like, middling teams, so... Man United isn't the best team in England, but they're a really dangerous team. Leipzig isn't the best team in Germany, but they're a dangerous team. And Bixiersheer is just like a really odd team. They like produce all these weird results. So, and you have to go to like Istanbul to play them, which can be a struggle. So, it's I don't know. It's going to be really. Yeah. 
<laughs> which one? Um, that's gonna be a really interesting group. I think between that group and the Liverpool group, because I I like that IX Atlanta matchup. Like that's gonna be a real dog fight to see who gets through. Yeah, yeah, that's true. IX um, is fun. I don't know why I just like them. I, like I uh, love both those teams. I love IX. Yeah. I love Atlanta. Like they're both really fun to watch, and they're stuck in the same group. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's uh, let's travel uh, westward to the MLS uh, across the, the pond. playoffs. Yeah, across the pond by just a little bit. Um, <laughs> are we? Do we have the final playoff groups now? So uh, I think we do, right? Yeah. Not we every team is have... eliminated yet, but we can just assume that they are. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because yeah. So we've got 16 teams that have clinched, but not the other teams as eliminated. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> so the Western Conference, uh, Sporting KC at the top uh, right now with 36 points uh, in 20 games. Portland Timbers is behind them with 38 in 22. Sounders. Oh, Steven, this is why. So before you go, the reason yeah. that neither team is eliminated yet, seven through 10th in the Eastern Conference are having a play in kind of playoff thing. So, uh, okay. two spots still up to, for grabs. Is there. that because on account of COVID cancellations? Yes. And there aren't okay. even number of teams since they put Nashville in the East. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. So, seven. So, Nashville and New York have quenched spots at least mm-hmm. in that yes. play in. And then the other four have not yet five have not yet been eliminated okay you're thinking good thinking thanks you got you got my back uh seattle sounders 36 points and 21 sc dallas has clinched uh minnesota united fc have clinched lafc all the way in sixth place have clinched colorado rapids have clinched and the san jose earthquakes have clinched as well uh, which leaves the Vancouver Whitecaps, Real Salt Lake, Houston Dynamo, and most surprisingly, LA Galaxy uh, as, uh, well, not maybe not most surprisingly the way they've been uh, lately, but if yeah. you just look at the names on that list. Um, I think like with the Galaxy, and we kind of touched on it earlier, but everyone was expecting T-Shirito to basically be Zlatan and he wasn't and I think Zlatan like peppered over a lot of their inconsistencies last year didn't didn't Chicharito literally just score a second goal yeah of the season that's (laughs) not he's been terrible been terrible Uh, spent so much money on him (laughs) the only team eliminated in the Eastern Conference which brings my heart just so much joy is the uh FC Cincinnati who would have thought DC United enter Miami CF who I speaking from personal experience know that you can coach to the mls cup final in their inaugural season because i did it in fifa 21 and if that's not uh, evidence of what you can do in the real world i don't know what is um but they are in 12th in this make believe uh-huh. pr- pretend real world uh atlanta fc is uh 11th place by the way another fifa note um atlanta is one of the few uh, MOS teams that gets their real stadium mapped into the game, and that is an experience. <laughs> like, it's just so. You know what's weird? From... Vancouver's had their stadium in the game for like yeah. ever, and they like. <laughs> I wonder if 
because it's a Bell Stadium, right? Maybe Bell just yeah. pays to have it in there or something. <laughs> um, or maybe they, maybe FIFA really loves Canada. I know, like Timbers have theirs. Um, I assume, uh, yeah, I know for a fact Galaxy have theirs. Um, Red Bull Sounders have theirs. New York might have theirs. Yeah, uh, but it's just uh, it was interesting <laughs> to step onto onto Mercedes-Benz Stadium and be like, oh, this feels different. Um, <laughs> Chicago Fire and Montreal. Uh, all five of those teams, United, Miami, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, and Montreal playing into the play-in. So it's a play-in play-in, you might say. Yeah. Um, Nashville SC uh, in their first season. Congrats. Like like many Nashville teams, just mm. solidly uh, controlling the middle of the conference. Yeah, they're, they're a good defensive team with not much going on. That's Well, that's, a, that's <laughs> just a recipe for popularity in Nashville. Uh, New York Rebels and New England Revolution above them. New York City FC. Columbus Crew doing very well this season. 38 points in 21 games. Orlando City SC. Would you say the surprise team of the year? Yeah, and they're actually, like, fun to watch for once yeah. in their life, too. <laughs> they, they did really well in the hashtag MLS is back tournament. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people maybe thought that was a mirage, and, and it really hasn't been. They've got a yeah. plus 16 goal differential, 11-8-3 and three on the season, just three losses. I mean, they've been a really good team. Uh, Toronto FC and uh, Philadelphia Union – uh, two very good teams, 44, point, 44 points in 22 games apiece there. Uh, but Philadelphia Union way ahead on goal differential, uh, plus 22. They're very interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, yeah, they're a really good team. And they're probably probably the team to beat, wouldn't you say, like right now? Going I would say so. This, I, I'm um, still Toronto, not sold on Toronto, always... especially if like Josie's hurt. Which surprise, yeah. surprise. <laughs> that's not even that's not even an if. It's just like a rhetorical <laughs> question at this point. Is Joe T. Altador hurt? Yes. Yes. You don't, even, thought. <laughs> you don't even have to hit enter on Google anymore. It just says yes and the suggestion. Just it's search. saved on the home. It's yeah. like on the home and just pops <laughs> yeah. up. That's the doodle from now on is just like in the corner. It's like, yes, Joe's the Altador is still hurt. Um what do you think? Like, what do you think about this? Who do you think gets in in the East? Let's start there. Montreal guess, and Chicago Fire had the best path. I think we know Chicago won't do it just because Chicago teams are failures and they're very core. Yeah. Uh, and that logo shouldn't be allowed into the playoffs. So, which That's of true. the other four it, teams in, do you think? Like, I like Montreal. I think Montreal's an interesting team. Like, I don't think they're a good team, but out of this group, I think they're probably <laughs> the best. Um, uh huh. And like it's tough. Like I don't think that Atlanta should miss the playoffs, but they also haven't like good all year. So like Inter Miami, yeah, I mean, maybe they're... like because <laughs> they've hey. like done a lot better since the start of the year. So those, they might be. Those like, are my boys down there. You know, got that Higuain, pink jersey. Rodolfo Pizarro. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta or Miami probably beats out Atlanta. Like I'd say Montreal and Miami. Let's do it. Let's rock out. Yeah. Um, Joseph Martinez, you know, still sidelined. So that, yeah, and like that's the that's the big thing. And their yeah. offense ran through Joseph and him being out. Like they haven't been able to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I hope I hope it's Atlanta. I just think that's the team that the league mm-hmm. needs and wants in there. Um, and you know, none of those other teams excite me so much that I'm like, screw finances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, so uh, I hope it's Atlanta. 
Yeah, um, but I think like missing out on the playoffs would force them to like make changes, which I think they need to do. Um, yeah, but you know, um, in the West, and we can come back to the East, the top of the East. You know, Timbers and, and Sporting and and Sounders are obviously all threats. Uh, I'm kind of interested in Colorado. Obviously, they played a lot fewer games than the rest of these teams, uh, so their points, you know, they're kind of the projected point total is, is better than their, um, you know, actual point total. They've clinched a spot, but I just think with this kind of late momentum, fresher legs, uh, they could be a little bit of a threat at the bottom of yeah, the and table. Like, that... You remember how good they were at the end of last year too? Like ever since mm-hmm. Robin Frazier has taken over, they've been like a much different team and yeah. kind of like, and I think, I just don't think anyone, you know, sporting and, and like I said, sporting Portland and Seattle are, yeah, standard bears they're always good but i don't think anyone in the west is like unconquerable this season or or so good that they're no they all have their faults like i think seattle's probably the closest to being like the team that can just steamroll everyone Mm -hmm. um and like sporting has been good but they've had their games where they just like have completely not shown up so fc and and galaxy have both taken huge steps back this year um not like you said, not maybe a surprise with Galaxy. Chicharito did not just fill that Zlatan hole. Nobody yeah. can fill a Zlatan hole. Zlatan <laughs> uh, conquered COVID, by the way. But you yeah, are not did. Zlatan, so uh, don't. Zlatan so is better than me, I guess. Didn't he literally say you are not Zlatan, so wear a mask? I believe that was that was him, right? Well, I, I got I gotta find I gotta find yeah, the quote. Keep talking. Please find the exact quote. <laughs> um, but I'll keep. Yeah, I'll stall here. Uh, SC Dallas is interesting, but I don't know that they have uh, the depth to keep up with some of those other teams um, that are at the top there. And Minnesota United FC, just dear God, they're just so boring. Um, so please spare me any more um, loons soccer than I have to watch. Uh, continue to stall as, as Justin continues to serve. So what's Latan tweeted uh, out? Yeah. He said, I tested negative to COVID yesterday and positive today. No symptoms whatsoever. COVID had the courage to challenge me. Bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) COVID had the courage to challenge me. I respect people that are genuinely insane, but embrace it. You know, he's a crazy person. (laughs) Yeah, he's a literal, legitimate lunatic person. Um, It's still so fun. It's still so fun to watch him be I'm gonna crazy. To, I'm going to have to figure out how to tweet that out without people thinking. Yes. He li- okay. Uh, <laughs> wait, here's the quote. Ibrahimovic on COVID-19. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> AC Milan forward Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who has recently recovered after testing positive for coronavirus, has joined an information campaign telling the public to respect social distancing and wear a mask. The virus challenged me and I won, he said, but you are not Zlatan. Don't challenge the virus. Use your head, respect the rules, distance and masks always. We'll win. You... I like how there's like this peppering of encouragement with like, also like, you're not with... me, so don't even think. Oh, you were never on my level. You could not be on my level. I am a superior human being. Uh, Zlatan survives things, but you will be killed. Yeah. A real national, international treasure, I would say. It's a real shame yeah. to see him leave the uh, MLS, but uh, here we are. 
Um, well, he's bigger than MLS, so he had to go eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, who do you think? Who do you like out of the East here? We already talked about Philadelphia a little bit in the bottom. I like Philly table. a lot. Like I like that team so much, and like Toronto. Wow. I always write off and they already, they always like do well um, because I put too much stock in uh, Josie, I think, but (laughs) like my Mm -hmm. ideal final four would be those four teams. Like that'd be the most fun. I think and like Philly versus the crew and Toronto versus Orlando would be really fascinating. Um, I think like in the end, my favorite like finals matchup would be like Seattle versus Philly. I think that'd be a really fun watch and a really good game. Mm -hmm. Philly has finally, at least at the very least, overcome the curse of being the team that thought maybe we can save Freddie Adu in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's well, in uh, the past couple of years, they've been like on that doorstep of like a really good team uh-huh. and they have such a good academy. Like, obviously, with the um, Brendan Aronson like being transferred out and they just like have players that just step right in and like a lot of youngsters that are doing really well they don't spend a lot of money but they spend smartly and i think like they're kind of like that prototypical mls franchise for like especially with scl sc looking forward mm-hmm. and they were once sponsored by bimbo which is just yeah. funny for me so uh <laughs> it's really much wins all around so and they uh their mascot came out of a snake it uh, came out of an egg when they unveiled it um it's a giant snake called Ooh, fang real uh, situation. yeah okay. yeah he parties with uh gritty all the time so i dig it oh man that's uh, that's a party i want to hang out with at i gotta tell you yes quiet gritty uh yeah gritty and fang uh the best uh best brother brothers i guess a snake and yeah uh, and frankly if um, them winning them last title gets me one step closer to hang out with those two like bring it on yeah i think that's i think that's you know um as as 2020 runs to a close, I think that's how the, I think that's how we beat coronavirus and kill 2020. I think the Philadelphia Union win the MLS Cup. We find a vaccine and we ring in 2021 with the Union celebrating in a parade with Gritty and Fang, and that's uh, that's the dawn of the new era of human history. Yeah, that's that's the life that liberals want. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, that's fine. I embrace it. It's great. Uh, Philly, by the way, just dominating mascots across the board. Philly fanatic, oh, yeah. gritty, fang. Um, it's fantastic. There's, uh, no, there's no better mascot game like in no. the whole world. Love it. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, we've talked a lot of soccer for an hour and a half. All right. Uh, any, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, I'm going to go take a nap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, sure. am not Zlatan, so I cannot be COVID. Um, yeah, do not challenge own. the virus. You, are, you should have known better. Oh you looked God, at the virus. Crazy I love it. You looked at the virus on the street. You met the virus mm-hmm. and you thought, should I challenge this? And just for a second, like a subliminal message, Zlatan Ibrahimovic slid through your head and you were like, not yeah, fun. I can challenge the virus. Zlatan did it so why can't I and then like you, you just know that like he walks around his house with his family and like talks about himself in the third person like you just know he does oh a hundred percent yeah yep uh his dad his children call him Mr. Zlatan there's no way they do not <laughs> um but yeah uh that's uh it's the soccer's great I can't wait to watch him at tomorrow 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to turn MLS. off red zone to watch MLS, which is a real commitment. Wow. Um, they, they, anyway. Those demographics love you, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, baby. I'm, uh, I'm changing, changing the tide for MLS single hand. There are like MLS games on all day tomorrow too, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I should just, uh, just in case anyone out there is wondering, I have, uh, recently, um, changed. I've, uh, I moved on from Inter Miami in my FIFA campaign, and I'm now managing Watford. I uh, I got to them right at the end of the championship season when they finished uh, fourth place uh, okay. in the playoffs, and I coached them through the playoffs into the championship. So uh, they're in the Premier League now. We're doing a preseason tournament. Things are going great. So uh, y'all can keep tabs on that as we move through it. You know, make big transfers and stuff. Maybe we'll yeah, speak some of this. If out. you guys are wondering about my FIFA campaign, I, I started a new FIFA campaign with Dortmund, oh, yeah? and uh, oh. we won the Bundesliga. So you know, there you go. Knock Bayern out. Bayern maybe the Sancho did not move to Manchester United. Who would have thought? Oh, not a chance. <laughs> He's never moving. Uh, he, give, he puts in a transfer request and you just reject it for like six years yeah. until his, <laughs> his face is as red and sad and angry as it can be. He's not going uh, anywhere. <laughs> I'm su- I'm such a sucker that when like my little digital fake soccer players start to get disgruntled, I like make, move heaven and earth to make them feel better. It makes you a little even sad. If like, like when they don't yeah. sign your contract and they're like, oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> even if they're like four string right backs, I'm like, oh no, I got to get you. I got to start you in this game against the, Premier League champions because you know you just look melancholy today. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, go go play FIFA if you want to. If you want to support a, an evil international organization and give them more money, then uh, I say do it. It's fun, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, we all do it. <laughs> who cares about the moral consequences? Uh, no, it's uh, it's been great talking to you, Justin. I'm sorry. Uh, Ian can't be here, but I think we we got more business accomplished. Quite frankly, Ian's never going to listen to this, so I'll just tell you I'm so disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. You, I don't know if you will listen to it, Ian. If you're listening to this, uh, type us the password uh, "Starburst Spaceship," and we'll know that we'll you know. have completed way, your mission. That way, we will know that you listen to this podcast when you're not on. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I'm looking forward to torturing him with the new uh, t- new quiz next time oh, he's here. It's going to have to be and... extra torturous <laughs> if he's going to miss an episode and after a month. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get on a schedule here every two weeks or so. Who knows? You know, we the team we cover doesn't exist for three more years. So uh, cut us a little. Sometimes slack, I but, think uh, about that and I'm like, what's this going to look like? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're it's gonna be interesting but uh i can't wait uh until then well not until then because that's 2023 but until next until 2023 yeah uh thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you real soon adios Like in his shoes Hamilton doesn't hesitate He exhibits no restraint Takes and he takes and he takes And he keeps winning anyway